So if you have been um, following us over the past couple of weeks, you'll know that we've been busy with a series called uh, Back to Basics, Principles for Successful Living. Back to Basics, Principles for Successful Living. Where do we find these principles? In the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Uh, they are also known as the Ten Commandments. Now, for a lot of us, when we look at this list, all we see is rules and regulations and restrictions and things that tie us down and spoil our fun. Not you. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But that is more often than not what we, what we, what we think about when we, when we see it. But the, as we've gone through it, I believe we've really been able to see that what we're really talking about when we're talking about these principles for successful living is that it's far more like, like those moments where I, I've shared the story with our regulars, so put up with me as for our guests. My son loves to ride on the motorcycle with me. And we get, when we get off the motorcycle, he's still full of beans and he still has a lot to say about what just happened. Right? He's all over the map. He's pointing and he's touching and, and the bike's hot. So what does dad say? My boy, stay away from the motorcycle. Why? Because I'm mean? No. Because I want to spoil his fun? No. No, I want to protect him. I want to keep him safe. So for that reason, I say, hey, my boy, don't touch. And very much as we've worked through, through the Ten Commandments, we just see that it's really God's heart for us to say, hey, I want to give you these boundaries to live in. Why? Because I, I actually want you to have a successful life and not to live in brokenness all the time. So that is my recap of six weeks. All right. This morning... We are heading into the sixth commandment or the sixth principle for successful living. And it is found in Exodus 20 and verse 13. And it's nice and short, but it's quite powerful. It says, you shall not murder. Now again, we can have the, um, we, we can kind of slip into that false sense of security and go, I'm good. You know, last time I checked, I haven't killed anyone yet this morning at least. Um, I'm good, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty safe when it comes to this one, I'm, you know, you shall not murder, I'm, I'm good. And, and quite often when we think about society, we can live in a way that doesn't honor God at all. We can. <clears throat> we can live in ways that, don't, that doesn't honor God. We, we, <clears throat> we can put other stuff before God and society will be pretty okay with us. <clears throat> We can live in a way that, that, that where we don't put him first at all. And society will be pretty okay with us until it starts overflowing into all sorts of ways that starts affecting them. Then they're not very okay with it. But on this one, they're not very okay with us not obeying it. Isn't that the truth? The moment you kill someone, they take that very seriously. Now, when we consider these words, you shall not murder, if you've been paying attention in this series, you'll know that we don't just take it at that and, and as I said, have the, the, the temptation to slip into complacency and go, hey, I'm good on this one. No, we always take what, what God gave Moses and we, we, we fast forward it through into the New Testament 
we filter it through the cross and, and we ask ourselves, okay, well, what did Jesus have to say about this? What did Jesus have to say about this? So let's go and have a look. What did Jesus have to say about this? In Matthew 5, verse 21 and 22, Jesus said this. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. Okay, we just read that in Exodus. You must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, now Jesus jumps in on the action. Jesus says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the council. How's that seat feeling right now? And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. <laughs> That's what Jesus says about you shall not murder. Now, I can spend quite a bit of time about calling people idiots, about cursing people, um, because if we're honest, you don't have to put up your hand at all, but the chances are most of us have renamed people somewhere along the line in the traffic. We actually couldn't give a rip what their mother called them. We know who they are. And here he makes it clear that the same penalty for murder applies in the kingdom of heaven. So, the truth be told, I'm not going to get hung up on, on the language that we use because I don't believe that that's really the heart of the scripture here. I believe the heart of the scripture comes down to really one word. So whether I curse someone with my mouth or whether I kill them with my hands, it's all birthed in the same place. Anger. Anger, that's what Jesus is addressing here. So why was Jesus warning them and why is Jesus warning us about anger because anger precedes murder anger comes before murder murder is something that we do with our hands that starts in our hearts one of the first steps towards murder is anger when Jesus said but I say so Jesus says, you shall not murder. And then he goes on to say, but I say. And then he goes and gives us what he says. In that moment, Jesus isn't trying to take away what, from what God was saying through the Ten Commandments. And Jesus isn't trying to, to add on to it. What Jesus is really doing is he's coming and he's saying, let's look at the heart of why God said this in the first place. Why did God say you shall not murder? Let's come right back to the heart of the matter. You see, while Jesus is speaking here in, in Matthew 5, he's got a group of people sitting on the one side, but he, busy critting him. He's got a whole group of, of, of people sitting on the one side looking at him, and, 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 and they've got their own opinions about what he's saying and what he's doing. And as we look at this group of people, they're called the Pharisees. They were the rig, religious leaders of the day. And the truth be told that, that as they're sitting there, they're thinking to, to themselves, you shall not murder. I'm good. I'm good. Just like us at the beginning here. I'm good. 
You know, uh, I'm, I'm fine. I haven't, I haven't murdered anyone and I don't intend on murdering anyone. And then Jesus goes and speaks into the rest. The, the truth be told that these Pharisees stood there. And as they stood there and they watched Jesus and they were casting judgment and, 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 and. There was an anger in them that would grow to the point where later on down the line, they would murder Jesus. Anger precedes murder. I mean, they didn't do it themselves. Let's be honest. They didn't get their hands dirty. They let Rome do it. But they initiated the process. You see, folks, so often we miss the intent of God's word when we read his principles for successful living without trying to understand why he made them. So why would we keep God's rules but close our eyes to his intent? So what was his intent? Killing is a terrible sin, but anger is a great sin. Why? Because what anger first does is anger first violates God's command to love. In in 1 John 3, we, we see John writing to us, and, and John was pretty much Jesus' best friend. He was, he was the person who was closest to Jesus. So I think that he, he, when he speaks, it's, it's worth paying attention. This is what he says. He says, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murder doesn't have, uh, murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So as we read that, I guess the question that we need to ask ourselves when we, when we act towards people, is it out of love? Is it out of a place of love or, or is it out of a place of our own emotions toward them? You see, anger doesn't allow us to act out of God's love. Anger in this case, the sort of anger that, we, that, that, that Jesus was talking about here, again, if you go into the original language, it's really this word anger talks about a seething, brooding bitterness against someone. And it's a dangerous emotion. If any of you have ever been in that place, you'll know. It's a dangerous emotion that always to th- and threatens to jump out at the worst possible moments. And it leads to violence. It leads to emotional hurt. It leads to an increase in mental stress and to spiritual damage within our lives. What are we saying? Anger robs us of pleasing God. Anger robs us of pleasing God. So I'm going to be vulnerable with you this morning. I was, I was always taught that whatever you preach, whatever you minister, whatever you, you, you share on a morning like this, you've either lived it, you're busy living it, or you're going to live it. Fact. Whenever you prepare for a message, you've either lived it, you're, gonna, you, you, you're busy living it, or you gonna love it. I can honestly say that with this morning's message, it's all three. 
I have lived it. I'm busy living it right now. And I'll probably live it in the future. It's just a fact. And there have been these moments of light, again, just being vulnerable, where I've allowed anger to take hold of my own heart. Where I've allowed anger in, and I've allowed it to do its thing. And you know what it's done? It's robbed me of pleasing God. It's a fact. Why? Because I don't know if you've ever been so angry that you can't actually talk to God. So angry, man. Just so angry with what's going on. They struggle to talk to God. And it's amazing how in that moment to recognize that, man, my own anger, it it means that I can't really talk to my heavenly father. And what's worse is I can't even hear him in those moments. I try and, and there's just, there's like this brick wall. And it's just my own anger. And then at the same time, this, this anger consumes us and, and it stops us from loving the people closest to us. You know, I, I started noticing that within my own relationship with my wife, we were missing each other. And it wasn't because she'd gone anywhere. It's because my mind had gone somewhere else. It was hung up in my anger. I'd connect with my son and, and the only times I'd really com- connect with him was when he was misbehaving. And what would that mean? That I'd only deal with him in discipline. And there was very little love. Again, I don't believe any of this is pleasing to God. And our anger ends up robbing us from pleasing God. Maybe you're in a place where something like that's happened and you've been, you've been pretty proud of yourself because you've, you could have said something or you could have done something and you didn't. And you're like, man, that was a real victory. And it is, it's a real victory. And God desires that from us. He, he desires self-control. But what God really desires from us in, in, in these moments is thought control. Thought control. To take the thoughts captive. You see, murder is generally at the end of a series of really bad decisions. Very few people, I don't know about you, I can say this is true for my life, I'm sure it's the same for your life. Very few people wake up in the morning and, and, and feel like, you know, kind of wake up with this thing of, you know, I'm, I'm in quite a murderous mood this morning. <laughs> you know, I, this morning all I really feel like is all brand flakes and murder. <laughs> if that is you, I strongly encourage you to come see me afterwards. We might need to have a conversation. But for the rest of us, we don't wake up there, is it? There's a a series of things that happen that leads us to a place where we go, I'm so angry, I could just kill him. I could kill him. Just give me a chance. Guy cuts you off. And (laughs) isn't it, you know what the seatbelt fit is? eh? It's like... Just trying to get to that. Just let me get that seatbelt. I'm out of this car, dude. You do not understand. Just had a seatbelt fit. We're trying to get off your motorcycle and all you, all you managed to do is stall it and like fumble and want to fall over. But then the guy's long gone. You just look like an, an idiot. There, I said it. 
Now remember, that's all part of this thing. <laughs> but it's true. You know, as, as these things happen, it all starts somewhere. We don't wake up in that place. It starts somewhere. And that place is called a fence. Somewhere along the line, we catch an offense with someone. An offense is, is uh, the, the Bible talks about, about a stumbling block in our lives. It's, it's when, when someone does something or, or says something, whether they're aware of it or not, whether they wanted to or not, but it happened and, and it leaves us in a place where we're hurt. And, and we take that offense and we run with it. In 1 John 2 verse 10, it says, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Folks, we should live in such a way that doesn't cause anyone an offense. And this thing of offense, a stumbling block, it, it kind of makes me think of a, of a road. The way that scripture paints it is a, a, it's virtually like a road. And in the road, there's this, there's this big rock or this big obstacle in the way but it's a road that you don't just travel once it's 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 like you're traveling this road all the time during the day up and down and up and down and and there's this rock there's this obstacle and as i travel up this road i keep falling over this thing get angry and I'm, carry on and then i come back and I, I fall over this thing and I, i'm angry and i'm does that make sense it's this thing that's just there that hasn't been dealt with that's, that's causing us to, to just have hang-ups in life. And Jesus even said this to his disciples. He said, hey, in, in Luke 7, uh, 17 verse 1, he says, in life, you're going to face offense. You're going to, it's, it's going to come your way. But yet we should live in a way where we don't cause offense in other people's lives. Offense starts in our perceptions. It starts in our minds. And ultimately, that needs to be submitted to God. When offense is not dealt with, it leads to anger. And when anger is not dealt with, it leads to hatred. And when hatred is not dealt with, it leads to murder. And it's this anger, as we mentioned earlier on, that, that's become the seething, brooding bitterness against someone. It is a dangerous emotion that will always threaten to leap out and manifest itself in violence or emotional hurt or increase of mental stress or spiritual damage. You see, folks, it might not lead to physical murder, but it does lead to the murder of something. It might not lead to physical murder, but it does lead to the murder of something. You might be going, Ramon, what do you mean? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Here's what I'm saying. Decisions made in offense, anger, or hatred leads to the murder of something. 
And the casualties, what, what it murders, the, the, the casualties in this case are more often than not our relationships, our values, and our purpose. The most important things in our lives, our relationships, our values, and our purpose. As I shared through my own story, the first thing that I felt like it was damaging was my relationship with God. My own relationship with God, I felt was taking strain. Why? Because I was hanging on to something. And then it, it affects the other relationships in our lives. When, when we say that it, it leads to the murder of our values, it, it cripples our values, it diminishes our values, we start to, to be okay with, with, with compromising on our values. It's like we get into this place where we, where we have to, to decide between our freedom and our character. You know, I, I get into a place where because of my anger, I'm just like, you know what, it's, it's my freedom or my character. I, I want to be free to do what I want to do, say what I want to say, behave in the way that I want to behave, get back in the way that I can and I know I can get back at them. It's my freedom, I'm allowed to. And what's being sacrificed in that moment? It's my character. Or I can say, you know what, I choose to lay down my freedom, supposed freedom in this moment and, and really, really allow God to still be the cornerstone of my character. The other thing that gets murdered in the process is, is my purpose, you know, to, to be found in Jesus and that Jesus is found in me. And when we hang on to these things, people start looking at us. And, and, and as they look at us, they're like, you know what? The truth is, I don't see Jesus here anymore. I just see a bitter, twisted person. And our purpose goes right out the window. So, how do we stop this from even starting? Well, the truth is, we can't control people and we can't stop them from misbehaving. We cannot. We cannot control people. We cannot stop them from misbehaving. But there is something we can control. Our response. We can control our response to their behavior. I want to say this, folks. There are times to act. <laughs> And then there are times to wait. Sometimes action is required in the moment. But I find more often than not when we're in these places, it actually means that we just need to wait. There's an, there's an old adage that says, um, before you make decisions, halt. And it's, it's, not a, um, you know, it's not one of those halt who goes there uh, moments. It's, it's legitimately... It's an acronym, HALT, H-A-L-T. Never make decisions when you are hurt, H. When you're hurt. When you hurt and you make decisions, what's the outcome? Hurt. Hurting people, hurt people. That's what it leads to. Never make decisions when you hurt. A, angry. Never make decisions when you're angry. Why? Because <laughs> angry decisions lead to destructive outcomes. 
Isn't it the truth? Never make decisions when you're lonely. Folks, I, I see this so often with single folk. You may be single for a while or, or, or feel like you need that companionship or whatever. And, and somewhere along the line, you just, you again, sacrifice character for someone to just have. You reach a point where anyone will do. And, and as we make decisions when we're lonely, we latch on to anyone. And then that also fails. And then we're not just lonely, we're broken and lonely at the end. Never make decisions when you're tired. Because when we make decisions when we're tired, then any result will do. Any outcome will do. Any decision will do. And we just dig an even deeper hole for ourselves. So never make decisions unless you've halted. Never make decisions when you hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. As we wrap this up, the worship team's welcome to come up. When it comes to murder, that's not enough to avoid killing. We must also avoid anger and hatred. We more often than not figure that we need to avoid the extreme things like murder. And we kind of let the little things slide like anger. But ultimately, those are the things that Jesus are most, is most concerned about. Why? Because they're matters of the heart. So that's why we have this principle found in the book of Exodus. Do not murder. Jesus comes in and he says, don't hold on to your offense. Don't hold on to your anger. Don't hold on to your hatred. Don't hold these things in your heart to your fellow man. Let them go. You see, folks, I see, I see this as this vivid picture in my mind of, of hanging on to a rope with the one hand and hanging on to a backpack full of rocks in the other hand. And the, there's this tension between the two. And this, this, this rope is God. This rope is, is he's our rescue. He's our savior. He's our redemption. He's our future. He's our hope. And then we've got this backpack that we're hanging on to. And it's heavy. And it's our offense. And it's our, our hatred. And it's our anger. And it's our past. But we don't want to let go of it. And there's this tension between the two. And the truth be told, you can't hold onto God and hurt at the same time. You can't hold both God and hatred in your heart. You will eventually have to let go of one. Either God or the hurt. And I pray, I pray this morning that we can hang on to God, let go of the hurt and grab hold of God with both hands. Letting go of our past and grabbing hold of our future. Whether I've killed someone with my hand 
or hated them in my heart, the result is the same. Jesus doesn't look at the, just look at the outcome of our hands. Jesus first looks at the intention of our hearts. 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess us, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of everything that we've done and cleanse us from all of our wickedness, all of our unrighteousness. This morning, that just may be the moment this morning to confess with our mouths what started in our hearts and what we're still hanging on to in that same place. Maybe you're sitting here today and somewhere along the line, you're caught in the fence. You picked up hurt from someone. And chances are good that you've been making decisions based on an offense, on anger, on hatred. And it started to lead to the murder of certain things in your life. Started to, to lead to the murder of your relationship slowly, a little bit at a time. Started leading to, to, the, to the murder of your, of your values, where you've, you've, you've had the struggle between my freedom and my character. Started leading to the murder of your purpose, where if you're honest, you're not 100% sure that if, if, Jesus look, if people look at you, that they see Jesus that you're found in Jesus and that he is found in you. You're not sure anymore because of how far this thing's come. And this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me. That it's time to let go of that bag and to grab hold of that rope. This morning, it's time to let go of the past and grab hold of our future. This morning it's time to let go of the things that hold us down and grab hold of Jesus Christ, our rescue. And if that's you this morning, I want to ask you to be as bold as to stand with me. As we just say, Lord, this morning I choose to let go. And I choose to grab hold of you. Amen. Father God, this morning, Lord, as folks are standing all the way across this hall, Lord, I have no idea what they faced. Lord, I have no idea what, what folks have gone through within this room. But Lord, as you look at every face, Lord, as, as you look into every life that's represented here this morning, Lord, Lord, I thank you that you know exactly what they have faced. Lord, I thank you that you know exactly what was said. Lord, I know that you know exactly what has been done to them, Lord. Lord, that you know the intricate details of that pain and that hurt and that offense, Lord, and that hatred. And Lord, I thank you 
that it is not your desire for us to hang on to these things. Lord, I thank you that it is not your desire for us to be consumed by them. I thank you that it is not your desire for our identity to be attached to this thing. But Father God, that this morning, your greatest desire is for us to let go. And for us to grab hold of you with both hands. So Lord, this morning as, as people are standing, Lord, I thank you that as we stand, we can just say, Lord, this morning I give this to you. Right there in your seat. Just say, Lord, I give this to you. Lord, forgive me for hanging on to hurt. Lord, right now, as an act of letting go, I say, I forgive that person. Right here, right now. Lord, I forgive that person. Lord, I forgive those people. Whatever it may be, you know, as you're standing there in your seat, Lord, I forgive. Father God, this morning, we choose to let go. And this morning, Lord, I thank you that you give us the courage to keep our hands off that thing. To not want to return to it and pick it up again. But Father God, that what you've done here this morning is sealed it with your cross, Jesus. And just as Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That today we can let go of that thing and claim in Jesus' name, it is finished. Lord, will you turn our hearts from hearts of offense to hearts of love for the people who have wronged us? This morning it is an act of my will. I pray that it'll be an act of their will to let go, to forgive, and to choose to love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.